Dr. R.B. Pierce, Buffalo, N.Y., Dear Sir I took your favorite prescription previous to confinement and never did so well in my life. It is only two weeks since my confinement and I am able to do my work. I feel stronger than I ever did in six weeks before. Yours truly, Cordical Pepper Bedfast, World's Dispensary Medical Association, 663 Main Street Buffalo, N.Y., Gentlemen for about two years I was a constant sufferer from diseases peculiar to my sex. I had to be carried from my bed, had horrible dreams, sinking sensations, was very nervous and had little or no appetite. In short, my whole body was racked with pain. I had frequent attacks of hysteria, and was completely discouraged, for I found no medicine did me any good. At last I determined to give your favorite prescription a trial. I had taken but two bottles before I felt so much better. I took eleven bottles. Today I am well. I had never felt the least trace of my old complaint in the last six years. We use the golden medical discovery whenever we need a blood purifier. By its use, eruptions of all kinds vanish and the skin is rendered clear and soft. Almost as an infant's. Respectfully, Mrs. Harry Tappan, Reynolds, Neb, at death's door, Abita Springs, Low. Dr. R.V. Pierce, Buffalo, N.Y., Dear Sir My wife suffered from laceration of the womb and inflammation She was completely bedridden and lingered about one year at death's door. Local applications were given her and drive Pierce's favorite prescription. She gradually regained strength and continued to do so until she recovered. I am convinced that any case of womb disease can be certainly and permanently cured by the use of your remedies. M. Greenagd, Southern Exp, Company Heart, Liver and Stomach Disease, World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo, N.Y., gentlemen about nine years ago my health began to fail, had a continual pain and aching under my right shoulder and in or under my right breast, I could not eat anything but a little milk or bread, and even that made my stomach pain and hurt me so I could not rest, I kept getting weaker all the time and I could no longer sit up, I sent for our family physician, he said I had dyspepsia and inflammation of the liver and gave me medicine two or three months, but I kept getting weaker all the time, it seemed to me that I was diseased all over, thought I had heart disease, had the doctor examine my heart several times, I became so discouraged that I gave up all hope of ever getting well, but consented to send to Dr. Pierce for medicine, I commenced taking it and in a short time I was able to sit up, continued to take his medicine three months and felt like a new person didn't need any more medicine and had not yet. I can eat anything I wish, am 63 years old, can walk a mile without any trouble, and I can truly say that I believe it was Drive Pierce's medicines that saved my life. Respectfully yours, Mrs. Virginia Elaine D.R.U.M. Marino, Logan Company Call, Uterine Disease, Creston, Iowa, Dr. R.V. Pierce, Buffalo, N.Y., Sir my wife improved in health gradually from the time she commenced taking favorite prescription until now. She has been doing her own housework for the past four months. When she began taking it, she was scarcely able to be on her feet. She suffered so from uterine debility. I can hardly recommend it for such cases. Yours truly, H. H. Snyder The Picture of Health, Dr. R. V. Pierce, Buffalo, N.Y., Dear Sir My Daughter, Miss Meeker, was sick and we called in one of the best doctors here. She got so weak that I had to help her out of bed and draw her in a chair. She then tried some of Drive Pierce's favorite prescription. In less than a week she was out of bed and has been working about five weeks now. And looks the picture of health. 
as for myself I am much better of my female complaint. Before taking the favorite prescription, I suffered most of the time from guttural inflammation. Yours respectfully, Mrs. Nancy Meeker, Dean Raven, Delaware Company and Why Lifted the Burden, by Putnam Company WVA, Dr. R.V. Pierce, Buffalo, and Why, Dear Sir Mine is a case of 11 years standing, which baffled the skill of the best medical aid procurable. I obtained no good effect, until I began the use of the favorite prescription, which lifted the burden which was seeking my life. My gratitude I owe to the prescription. I hope that all suffering humanity as in my case may profit by the result of my experience. Yours truly, Evolim Nira Spiara Seminal Weakness, or emission of semen without copulation, is generally induced by the early habit of masturbation. It is one of the evidences that passion, instead of prudence, has held sway. Passion may aptly be termed the voice of the body, by which, if we listen, we are enchanted and led astray. Conscience is the voice of the soul, which remonstrates, and if we obey, we shall be guided aright. We cannot reconcile these conflicting voices, and if we indulge the passions when conscience forbids gratification, the remembrance of the wrong remains forever, and constant fear is an everlasting punishment. Wrecked manhood. Man possesses few powers which are more highly prized than those of virility, which is the very essence of manhood. He is but the counterfeit of a man, who hath not the life of a man. The semen is a milky fluid of the consistency of mucus. It is secreted by the testicles and is intermixed with the fluids secreted by the prostate and by Cooper's glands. Its fertilizing property depends on the presence of minute bodies, termed spermatozoa. These consist of little polywood-shaped bodies figure 3, having large heads and long filaments or tails. Under the microscope these little bodies are seen to describe movements not unlike those of polywoods. Why emissions of the vital fluid debilitate? The seminal fluid consists of the most vital elements in the human body. It not only assists in maintaining the life of the individual, but communicates the essential, transforming principle which generates another mortal having an imperishable existence. Its waste is a wanton expenditure, which robs the blood of its richness and exhausts the body of its animating powers. No wonder that its loss enfeebles the constitution, and results in impotency, premature decline, St. Vitus's dance, paralysis, epilepsy, consumption, softening of the brain, and insanity. No wonder that conscience and fear become tormenting inquisitors, and that the symptoms are changed into imaginary specters of stealthily approaching disease. There is no future pang can deal that justice on the self-condemned he deals on his own soul. The practice of onanism squanders the vitality and bankrupts the constitution, indigestion, inutrition, emaciation, shortness of breath, palpitation, nervous stability, are all symptoms of this exhaustion. Subsequently, the yellow skin reveals the bones, the sunken eyes are surrounded by a leaden circle, the vivacious imagination becomes dull, the active mind grows insipid in short, the spring, or vital force, having lost its tension. Every function wanes in consequence. Excessive lustful enjoyment produces feebleness, and finally terminates in disease and impotency. Seminal weakness may be the result of marital excesses. A proper sexual gratification contributes to the health and happiness of both parties. On the other hand, intemperate indulgence not only prevents fruitfulness, but ultimately, if persisted in renders the husband entirely impotent, and undermines and destroys the constitution of the wife. Spermatoria may be induced by spinal irritation, intestinal worms, or piles. It may also result from inherited, as well as acquired, 
constitutional weakness, nocturnal OR night emissions, involuntary emissions of semen most frequently occur during amorous dreams at night, and are therefore termed nocturnal emissions, although they are at first occasioned by lascivious dreams, attended by erections and pleasurable sensations, yet, as the disease progresses, the erections become less perfect and the losses are only revealed by the depression of spirits experienced the following morning, and by the stiffened and stained spots on the linen. At first, these emissions may occur but once in two or three weeks, unless the patient be excited by company, stimulation, food, drinks, or other causes, but, at a later stage of the disease, they sometimes take place every night. In aggravated cases, the seminal sacs are so weakened that the warmth of the bed, friction of the clothing, reading obscene literature, viewing indecent pictures, indulging in lewd conversation, or even being in the presence of women, produces a waste of semen many times and attended by erections. When there is great weakness, seminal discharges may be induced by lifting heavy weights, pressure upon the genital organs, horseback riding, straining at stool, or even upon urinating, as observed when muscular efforts are made to expel the last drops, which appear thick and viscid. If the urine be allowed to stand for a few hours, the seminal discharge will be precipitated, and will form a light-colored deposit at the bottom of the vessel. If the sediment be examined with a microscope, spermatozoa can readily be detected in it, wasting away of the testicles. Masturbation not only occasions loss of semen, but frequently the testicles and other generative organs waste and become reduced in size as a result of the abuse. Figure 1 shows the testicle in a healthy condition while figure 2 represents one much reduced, as a result of self-abuse. The celebrated Dr. Drury, of London, speaking of the reason why masturbation is so extremely injurious in its effects upon both body and mind, says, This is a question which I have often been asked by patients, and it is one which is rather difficult to explain to anyone not acquainted with the phenomena of reflex nervous action. Perhaps the simplest mode of putting it is to say that the effects produced by the excitement of the parts are not the direct result of the stimulation, but that the excitement of the extremities of the nerves is conveyed through them to the spinal cord and brain, and that the emission which occurs, when sufficient stimulus has been applied, is the result of nervous force reacting upon the parts from the spinal cord back again. This action is termed reflex, and is similar to that of vomiting, which is only produced through the medium of the great nervous centers so that if the nervous communication between the stomach and spinal cord and brain is cut off, nothing in the stomach could possibly cause vomiting, whereas if the communication remains intact, this action can be immediately produced by irritation of nerves far away from the stomach, viz, by tickling the fosses, as every drunkard is well aware who has ever put his finger down his throat for the purpose of emptying his stomach of the contents which are poisoning him, but which without the additional stimulus he is unable to expel. It will be seen, therefore, from this that the act of emission is only produced through the agency of the spinal cord, and not by any direct nervous action between the parts which are stimulated, and those which are concerned in the emission. The brain is also concerned to the fullest extent in the production of these phenomena, as are all the senses of the body, this is proved by the fact that emissions occur during sleep, without any excitement beyond the engorgement of the parts with blood, produced by the cerebellar congestion of the brain usually found to follow lying upon the back during sleep. This, however, is unnatural and unhealthy, and is usually the result, as before pointed out, of masturbation. But these two important points must be remembered that emission may be produced by friction merely as a purely spinal reflex action, 
and it may be caused by the action of the brain without any friction whatever. Both these results are unhealthy and injurious. A true natural and healthy act of sexual intercourse demands the excitement of brain, spinal cord, and every nerve in the body simultaneously, and resembles the lightning flash which restores the equilibrium of electric force disturbed during a thunderstorm. It is useless to endeavor to describe the marvelous actions of nervous force, but from what has been said it is not difficult to comprehend that if a convulsive action is produced in any part of the body by the sole excitement of the spinal cord, when it is necessary for its healthy and natural production that the brain and senses generally should be equally excited, the balance of nerve power is destroyed, which fact alone is proved by the effects upon the nervous system always following masturbation which is the irritation of the spinal cord without the assistance of the brain. Various complications are likely to arise in the progress of this malady. Stricture of the urethra, or water passage, is a very common complication and, even when quite slight, generally interferes very seriously with the cure of the spermatoria when overlooked by the attending physician, as is very commonly done, especially when the constriction of the water passage is only slight. Very often it occurs in our practice that on examining a case of this disease that has been the rounds of the doctors, we find a stricture, which had been entirely overlooked by other practitioners, being so slight as not to occasion serious obstruction to the flow of urine but yet sufficient to interfere very much with the cure of the spermatoria. The size of the urethra, or water passage, should bear an exact and proportionate relation to that of the penis, and when from any cause the urethra is contracted below this normal size, it should receive attention, as otherwise the stricture is likely to increase and the passage becomes so constricted as to produce serious disease of the bladder, and not fail to perpetuate spermatoria, when this disease exists, hydrocele dropsy of the scrotum consists of an induced secretion of the fluid which moistens the tunic of vaginales, and may arise from an irritation of the testicle, produced by masturbation, the subject is fully considered in the medical advisor, Vericeocele is a dilatation of the veins of the spermatic cord and scrotum, and is frequently a result of masturbation. It is readily distinguished under the form of a soft, doughy, compressible, knotty, and an equal enlargement of the veins, and a tumid condition of the adjacent parts. One writer, speaking of the enlargement of the spermatic vessels, describes them as feeling like a coiled-up bundle of worms. Disease of the prostate gland is frequently caused by solitary indulgence. Venereal excesses produce congestion and the gland is overnourished. It becomes greatly enlarged, a condition called hypertrophy. This affection gives rise to a heavy feeling or pressure in the region below the bladder, and often interferes seriously with urination, and gives great pain and uneasiness, and often results in grave and dangerous complications. PRRSDADORRHEA consists of an unnatural flowing or wasting of the prostatic secretion, which may be known by its mucus-like appearance and, when placed within the field of the microscope, by the absence of spermatozoa or fecundating germs, it is often mistaken for spermatoria, or for gleat, by inexperienced and careless physicians, for a full consideration of diseases of the prostate gland, see part IX of our dime series of pamphlets, which will be sent on receipt of 10 cents in postage stamps, again, the habit of self-pollution weakens all the structures of the genital organs, and induces seminal waste, which may lead to a morbid diminution in the size of the prostate gland. This condition, which is exactly the opposite of the one above described, is atrophy. Any disease which renders the circulation in the prostate gland languid and feeble interferes with the nutrition of that organ and impairs its function. 
impotency loss of sexual power. Masturbation prevents the excitability of the nervous system and sexual organs and causes debility, which is indicated by the premature discharge of semen during sexual intercourse. These premature emissions indicate not only partial impotency, but also that the nerve centers have become morbidly sensitive by the practice of solitary vice, or marital excesses, at length the powers of the erectile tissues are diminished, and there is weakness which prevents the act of copulation, or the erection may be slow and not last long enough, on account of a faulty functional condition of the spinal cord. A peculiar form of impotency is associated with certain abnormal nutritive changes which give rise to a lymphatic or fat condition of the system. Not that the temperament in all these cases is originally lymphatic, but the system degenerates in consequence of nutritive perversion. With the loss of sexual order, there is also apathy of mind, loss of manliness, and the victim becomes cold, dispassionate, and treacherous, devoid of any admiration or love for the opposite sex. He acquires rotundity of person. The face is fat, smooth, often beardless, and the voice is feminine. The victims of this disease represent two distinct classes. This dot, one those who are fearfully tormented by the consciousness that they are losing their virile powers, and become irritable, jealous and often desperate, and to those who are completely indifferent to this deprivation. 1. Patients of the former class are readily restored to health by proper treatment for they are willing to make an effort for the recovery of their manly powers. There is not complete loss of sexual desire, yet their disappointment is so great that they may entertain suicidal thoughts. They are moody, fickle, discontented, excitable, and remarkably impulsive. With proper treatment, they regain tone of body, vigor of mind, an increase of sexual desire, and become more attentive to business affairs, and less indifferent to the gentler sex. With the restoration of the general health and the sexual functions, remarkable constitutional changes occur. It is often the case that their intimate friends hardly recognize them by looks or acts. 2. It is equally true that those who are wholly indifferent to the loss of virile power, and interested in the evidences of their manhood, are sometimes incurable. In fact, it is useless to treat the latter class, because they will neither company operate with the physician nor persist in the treatment necessary to effect a radical and constitutional change. Masturbation perverts and finally destroys the secretory functions of the testicles. It sometimes causes chronic inflammation, which may result in obliteration of the minute seminal canals, or obstruction of the conveying ducts. The sperm is imperfectly elaborated and totally unfit for procreative purposes. Sometimes the spermatozoa are entirely absent, and, when present, are very few in number incomplete in structure, diseased, and deficient in power as well as in organization. Figure 3 represents the spermatozoa in a healthy condition, and figure 4, when they are sickly, deficient and inanimate, the husband may appear to be healthy, and his inability to procreate may be erroneously considered a defect in his wife. Symptoms of SPRRMADORRHA. The indications of abuse of the sexual organs are loss of nervous energy, dullness of the mental faculties, and delight in obscene stories, the expression of the face becomes coarse, and the movements slow, the eye is sunken, the face bloated and pale, and the disposition is fretful and irritable, the appetite is capricious, the throat irritated, and the patient makes frequent attempts to clear it, in order to speak distinctly, there are pains in the chest, wakefulness, and during the night lascivious thoughts and desires, the relish for play or labor is gone, and a growing distaste for business is apparent, there is a determination of blood to the head, headache, 
noises and roaring sounds in the ears, the eyes may be bloodshot and watery, weak or painful, the patient imagines bright spots or flashes passing before them, and there may be partial blindness, there is increasing stolidity of expression, the eye is without sparkle, and the face becomes blotched and animal-like in its expression, the victim is careless of his personal appearance, not unscrupulously neat, and not infrequently a rank odor exhales from the body, there are troublesome sensations, as of itching and crawling, in and about the scrotum, subsequently, there is obstinate constipation, and all the symptoms of dyspepsia follow, gradually the pallor deepens, the patient becomes emaciated, there is a shortness of breath, palpitation after even moderate exercise, trembling of the knees, and eruptions on the skin, there may also be cough, hoarseness, stitching the side, loss of voice, the sleep is not refreshing, the patient has frequent nightmare, or the dreams are lascivious, and the involuntary emissions of semen become more frequent, the weakness increasing, the sufferer experiences a weakness in his legs and staggers like a drunken man, his hands tremble and he stammers, the victim is unable to concentrate his thoughts, cannot remember what he reads, and is mentally indolent, he begins to be suspicious of his friends, has less confidence in others, and desires to be alone, is despondent and has suicidal thoughts, he has pain in the back, does not like to walk, and is inclined to lie down, the semen is prematurely discharged upon attempting coition, and if there be offspring, it is apt to be feeble or subject to scrofula, consumption, or convulsions, the genital organs, especially the penis and testicles, diminish in size, as the disease progresses, lose their energy, and the glands of the penis become cold and flaccid, there is frequent desire to urinate, chronic irritation in the neck of the bladder, and pain in the spermatic cord and testicle, and sometimes in the end of the penis, the microscope shows that semen involuntarily discharged may be devoid of spermatozoa, or if present, they are defective, their heads being without tails, the urine is loaded with mucus or bears of epithelmy, membranous, transparent matter, or it may be covered with a thin fluid having an oily appearance, but in rare cases is clear, again, it may hold substances in solution, which are deposited in crystals or encrust the urine, or it may precipitate a material having the appearance of brick dust, and sometimes semen tinged with blood, the dyspeptic symptoms when present are followed by diarrhea, the limbs are cramped and rigid, the feet bloated, and the patient becomes melancholy and relinquishes all hope of recovery, as the disease progresses, the patient lacks firmness and is absent-minded, when the erections are imperfect and the semen is prematurely discharged, or when a lengthy coition is required before the sperm can be ejected, it is evident that the patient is rapidly becoming impotent, the virile powers are vanishing and manhood is surrendering sway to a merciless foe. We frequently witness this condition in men, even at the age of 35, when the summit of vigor and strength should only have been reached. How often are we solicited to restore these lost hopes and powers, to allow tales of ignorance and recklessness, or submission and remorse? Do we repeatedly listen from these unfortunate sufferers, in patients of this class? Sexual intercourse prevents spontaneous emissions, but it does not remove the functional and organic derangements of the nerve centers, hence, at a time when the victims of this disease should be in the prime of life, they are impotent, and epilepsy, apoplexy, paralysis, softening of the brain, or insanity, frequently results, epilepsy or fits. This dread disease is one of the most common and serious complications of the more advanced stages of spermatoria, 
The injury done to the nerve centers by the practice of masturbation is manifested in epileptic convulsions, more or less frequent. If proper treatment be early adopted, and faithfully pursued, the case is not yet hopeless, though, in the majority of cases, the patient never recovers after the disease assumes this phase, paralysis, paralysis, or palsy, when occurring as a complication of spermatoria, may be preceded by an attack of apoplexy, in which the patient loses consciousness, and lays in a condition of profound stupor for a time, and on recovery from his unconscious state, finds himself unable to use one or more of his limbs, or the disability and loss of power, which may also be accompanied by more or less loss of sensation, may come on gradually, without any premonition or marked manifestation of its approach. In either case, its appearance is to be regarded as a matter of serious importance. Paralysis, when occurring as a consequence of masturbation or sexual excesses, is usually difficult of cure, yet, now and then, Cases are cured at our institutions even after this grave malady has appeared as a complication. Softening of the brain. This malady, although less common as a result of masturbation than the complications mentioned in the preceding paragraphs, is of sufficiently frequent occurrence to entitle it to a passing notice here. This condition usually results ultimately in complete dementia, or loss of reason. It is an incurable disease. Insanity. This deplorable malady is not a very uncommon result of masturbation and its various resultant morbid conditions, as the records of the many institutions for the unfortunate class of sufferers from this disease bear abundant witness. Sometimes it manifests itself in the milder forms of hallucination, or monomania, but in the majority of cases, the patient sinks into a despondent hypochondria, which is many times followed, sooner or later, by a raving mania. In cases of monomania resulting from masturbation, the mental derangement is often so slight as to escape detection by the patient's friends, the peculiar freaks of disposition being regarded rather as eccentricities of character than as symptoms of serious disease. Fits of despondency are usually common with such sufferers. The mental derangement is not always accompanied or preceded by spermatoria or frequent seminal emissions. The injury done to the nervous system by the practice of self-abuse or sexual excesses, being first noticeable in various phantasms or imaginings on the part of the patient. These are, in different cases, so various, both in character and degree, as not to admit of any classification, each case presenting phases peculiar to itself. In many cases, the patient imagines that his best friends are conspiring to injure him, or that some great calamity is about to befall him. In most cases there is danger of the patients committing suicide if not closely watched, especially is this true of those who suffer from fits of hypochondria, except in its milder forms, insanity resulting from masturbation and sexual excesses, is rarely curable, don't be alarmed, a nocturnal seminal emission now and then, or at long intervals is not, in and of itself, evidence of the existence of spermatoria or other serious disease, a full blood, strong, passionate man, in vigorous health, and who has never abused himself, may now and then, at long intervals, if his sexual passions be not gratified naturally, or if he permit his mind to run much upon lascivious subjects, experience an emission while asleep and dreaming, as to whether such occurrences are evidence of disease or not, in any given case, depends upon their frequency, and as to whether they are the result of a weakness of the organs and are followed by more or less depression and debility or are merely the overflow of a robust system, or the outburst of restrained, pent-up, 
and in gratified passions, in the latter case, and when only occurring at long intervals, the emissions are not followed by any perceptible enervating or weakening effects. Quackery rampant. This country is flooded with cheap circulars and pamphlets, circulated openly and broadcast, wherein ignorant, pretentious, blatant quacks endeavor to frighten young men who may never have practiced self-abuse, or been guilty of excesses in any way, and yet who experience, now and then at long intervals, nocturnal seminal emissions, in such cases, it is the duty of the conscientious, honest, and sympathetic practitioner of the healing art to give assurance, and not to unnecessarily alarm those who experience nothing inconsistent with a state of fairly good health, to frighten such young men into believing themselves diseased, when in reality they experience nothing but what may occasionally occur in the experiences of any robust, healthy man, is the most detestable, downright quackery, treating the wrong disease. Not only are many men subjected to a useless treatment by general practitioners who overlook the real disease, caused by pernicious youthful habits pursued in solitude, or later excesses in venery, but the female sex are also quite as often subjected to treatment for diseases which do not exist, the real trouble being nervous stability and other weaknesses that have resulted from the youthful pernicious practices common to both sexes, or later excesses in marital pleasures, moral considerations, masturbation is a habit which tyrannizes over the mind, perverts the imagination, and forces upon the victim venereal desires, even while he is forming the strongest resolutions to a reform, it constrains into its service the higher faculties, such as friendship, confidence, love, reason, and imagination, to make its ideal graceful and beautiful, sensual lust, the fancy creates an attractive partner, possessed of girlish beauty, a perfect type of goodness, blended with sexuality, and whom the subject worships with all the ardor of passion, Around this no ideal all his affections are clustered, to her the purest of his blood is offered in sacrifice, and it is no wonder that female associates seem tame and inattractive when such imaginary and consummate divinity is courted, in the sensual delirium is conceived in Elysium of carnal bliss, where half-nude nymphs display their charms and invite to sensual enjoyments, thus we see how this habit makes the spiritual faculties subservient to morbid passion and by what means elevating influences are prostituted to vulgar and base-born creations. Symptoms vary in different cases. We can only partially delineate the terrible effects resulting from the abuse of the sexual organs. The symptoms are multitudinous, but, as we have before stated, no two persons are similarly influenced by this disease. The symptoms will vary according to the severity of the affection, the age of the patient, and his constitutional peculiarities. The presence of only a few of the symptoms which we have enumerated is evidence of abnormal weakness, which demands treatment. Montaigne says, we must see and get acquainted with, 